another episode of Something You Didn't Ask For, Unsalted. This week, I do not cry, but I kind of talk through my feelings on cancel culture. Enjoy. Oh, and I sound like a drag queen. Okay, back with another episode of Unsalted. Um... It just seems like I keep on talking about the royals, so I really shouldn't call this unsalted. I need to call it the royal tea because it's about to be spilled, honey. Um, I'm talking like this because I sound like a drag queen. Because I have severe allergies and my I don't even know what to say about my condition right now, but... So I will probably be dropping some drag queen lines in here because I sound like a man who's dressed like a woman. Anyhow, this week's tea chow, it's, again, the royals. What? They have become so, like, relevant. And I don't know how. They went from being, like, irrelevant. Diana dies. We all talk about talk, 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 talk. Then they kind of drop off. We don't see much of them. You know, Charles marries Camilla. So we're kind of like, ooh, la la. William gets married. We're kind of interested. But we're more about like Pippa, the sister-in-law in that fantabulous dress. We carry on with our lives. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Zara, all the rest of them done get married. Nobody really is paying attention. Philip is getting more and more inappropriate. He's asked to kind of step away from his formal duties, but nobody really cares. I mean, on this side of the pond, on the other side of the pond, of course, people care. But anyhow, and then it's like the pandemic hit. And in year like heading into the fir- the ending of the first year of the pandemic, we've all begun to care so much about the royals. Like pandemic hits. Harry says, like, right before the pandemic, it's like he knew it was coming. Um, I'm out, deuces. Me and my girl were out. Him and Megs are like, we're not doing this anymore. And I think they thought people would have cared a lot more, but they did it. And then they upped the ante, did the Oprah interview. And it's just been spiraling out of control since then. So here's what I'm going to talk about today. Martin Bashir. Who the fuck is Martin Bashir? Well, you probably know the name because he's known for doing like some top notch interviews. I think he also did an interview with uh, Michael Jackson in the height of his like sex abuse scandal with children. Um, He's just uh, Martin Bashir is like a well-known reporter. But here's why. He's a well-known reporter because he's the one that did that first groundbreaking interview with Princess Diana when the separation first started when she is wearing um a very serious charcoal under her eye looking like she wanted to belong to the Ottoman Empire like she's like screw you Jake Gyllenhaal I'm the princess of Persia that's what she has on and she's out there in these streets talking about all the royal business. Like she debunks a lot. That interview was when I feel like we saw the Wizard of Oz. Like the curtain was pulled. She says in that interview, you know, we all recited who are kind of royal royal watchers or have some interest. It's she talks openly about her anorexia and her bulimia, that the palace helped with that. Like it threw her over the edge because of, you know, her body dysmorphia issues 
And there were always three people in the marriage talking about Charles Camilla and her. It was groundbreaking because no royal had ever done a real interview like that. And Martin Bashir was the person who did it. And people always found it strange that this reporter that nobody knew that much about did this interview. Well, child, the tea is out. It's been poured and it's piping hot. Martin Bashir forged documents in order to get this interview. So let me back up. Diana, and I know I'm saying something that is probably going to be very unpopular, but I'm here for it. Come at me if you want. So Diana marries Prince Charles, right? They kind of, it's basically an arranged marriage, like an Indian arranged marriage, but for British people, as far as I'm concerned. So she's a young woman, very impressionable. They set this up. He doesn't want to marry her, but they're like, no, no, you have to, because this is your lot in life. We've gotten Camilla married off to whomever, this other random dude. So stop your nonsense. This is who you need in your life. And so they get married. So people try to make it sound like the palace made Diana have all these emotional issues. Well, my friends, she showed up there with some of those issues. If you read some of the books about Diana and not like the scathing ones, I mean, those are a starting point. But there's, you know, other books out there that are very good sources. And she herself has admitted to some of this, that she showed up there with some of her own stuff. Like she didn't just become anorexic and and bulimic at the palace. She came there with that. She was an emotionally unwell person. She comes from a family that has a lot of trauma, a lot of issues. She has a lot. She has a lot of stuff before she showed up there and being married to an emotionally unavailable man would exacerbate that. That would happen to anybody. So this is what it is. So she has paranoia towards the end of the marriage and when she separated, which she should have, right? But it's paranoia for a person who's not emotionally stable, right? Who hasn't really gotten a lot of help for her stuff. So she's paranoid. And so Martin Bashir forges these documents, financial statements, and gets them to her brother, right? He befriends people in the right circles and says, listen, I have proof, right? Like your sister thinks that people are following her and snitching on her to the palace. Well, here's the proof. People are getting paid to do that. So Earl Spencer, her brother, brings this to her and says, this is what's going on, Diana. Like you are not far off. You are not crazy. And that's how he gets the interview, which then has rocked the palace ever since. And it continues. I mean, it was groundbreaking because that's why they continue to do the interviews that they do. So Martin Brashear is a big fraud. And the boys are very upset about it. I think William correlated it, like loosely correlated to her death, which, I mean, it's not a far stretch in the fact that the media was obsessed with her. And that's what led to her untimely death. So there it is. But here's the thing. Why do we care about this, I don't know, 25 years later? Like, why did the BBC, well, they launched this investigation some time ago, but only now we are yielding the results in the year of our Lord, 2021? What? Okay. I mean, it's scandalous for me because I'm just like, I am concerned about these things. But for other people, it's like, all right, well, that was like 20 some odd years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. So it begs the question, like, why, why do we, why is that relevant? And I, I take it now to the current situation we're dealing with here in Canada. So some brigadier, I love saying the word brigadier. I have no idea what ranking that is in the army, but brigadier nonetheless. 
the brigadier that was in charge of, oh God, I'm going to have an allergy cough in a minute. The brigadier that was in charge of the vaccine rollout, I believe, forget what his name is. He's had stepped down. Why is that? Well, sexual assault allegations have come forward. These sexual assault allegations were 30 years ago. When I see this man on my TV, at best, he's 55. At best, he's 55. So the allegation came out recently in March of this year, a March of the year of our Lord, 2021. And uh, they've done an investigation, a report, and they're just like, you need to leave. And he adamantly and vehemently denies that he'd had any wrongdoing. I'd done some many, many research on this. And apparently um, this took place when he was at a military college. He was not in a teaching role. He was a student. And apparently he flashed his PP to someone. And 30 years later, they've reported it. So here's where I'm at. And I'm talking my thoughts out loud. So don't, don't get upset with me. I think there's merit in that. I think there's merit in the fact that tell, you should tell. Whether it's five years, five months, 25 years, 30 years, do tell. Tell. Um, I don't think there needs to be shame put on telling. And like, you know, there's the why come forward now? That was 30 years ago. Blah, 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 blah. I, I get that, right? And I think that maybe stuff like this, it has to happen so that people, specifically men, know and learn how to behave appropriately and those things are not acceptable but then there's the other side of this where I want to say you know if this guy did do it and I'm guessing at how old he was he might have been between the ages of 18 to 22 or 25 and he flashed someone in the silliness haven't us haven't any of us done something so fucking stupid before our brains were fully developed by the age of 25, before we had discernment and life experience to make appropriate decisions, and we're still punished for it when we're in our 40s or 50s? I, I, I don't understand it. Like, you lose your job because of that? Because of your stupid mistake? And of course, like, I think a conversation has to be what have you learned? Are you a different person now? Like, those are all the things like I think it needs to be out there so that people can learn from that to be like, you know what, you did something inappropriate. Yes, it's going to come out. And yes, there's going to be a bigger discussion about it. But do you need to lose your job when you're close to retirement? I don't understand. It brings me back to when Kevin Hart was, um, in my opinion, bullied from no longer being able to host the Oscars. Somebody did a deep dive and found a tweet that he sent in 2004, I believe, that they felt was homophobic. And, you know, he talks about how ridiculous the tweet was and he was just being like silly and it was inappropriate, right? He recognized that the, it was it, it, what he said was inappropriate, but it was like 10 years from when he said, he's like, you know, comedy was that back then like and I love comedy if anybody who knows me knows that like I watch Richard Pryor Eddie Murphy like I will watch the old guys right R.I.P. Paul Mooney who died this week who's another great back then I would say 80s comedy 70s comedy was about like poking fun to like the utmost degree like it was like 
being gay was frowned upon and the comedy the jabs that were poked at if you watch any murphy's delirious which is on netflix which i think it still is on the stuff that he says about aids aids being a gay disease oh my god but yet this man lives another day and is one of the richest black people in hollywood so and i'm sure if you talk to eddie murphy about it he would say listen that was comedy back then. And it was I now as a 50 some year old man when my 18 year old self or I don't know when he, how old he was. I think he was like 25 when he did Delirious. I was that was what comedy was back then. That's what we did. I realize now because I've learned and grown that that is wrong and inappropriate and maybe do some advocacy work and leave it at that. Why are people losing their jobs? And but then you could say I'm talking all out here like the Matt Lowers of the world. Matt Lowers was full on like coercing people into sex at work. You need to lose your job. I don't know anymore. It's all confusing. But I just think that I'm going to go on the record as saying I've done a lot of stupid things. And I've said a lot of stupid things that maybe I shouldn't have said. And now as a 48 year old woman, I reflect on them and think, Jesus, that was wildly inappropriate. It was wildly homophobic or transphobic or sexist or prejudicial to whatever racial group but I'm not that person anymore and I don't want to have to suffer is that the right word to use I don't know if suffer is the right word to use but I don't want to have to be like you're gonna lose everything because of it because I'm not that person anymore I advocate for the rights of others for all the oppressed and I may say things wrong still to this day but I know I'm learning so, I don't know. That's my thought on that. Anyhow. Again, butter. Not checking on it. Because it is so hot. I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It is so hot. I will not be turning on my oven for nobody. Ciao, honey, hunty. Okay, work. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.